listening to Beyond the Game. I love you guys. love the program. You're already famous in Rochester, but watch out world. It's a faith-based sports radio program. That's the dumbest thing I could think of. I love everything about it. The, the, the beards, the handshakes. That just means I'm never leaving my kids alone with you. The ladies are digging my sweet bass. We would be honored if you would join us. Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Beyond the Game program, along with Zach Barletta. I'm Rick Benson. Very glad to have you along as well. BTGprogram.com on the Internet or at BTG Program through social media. Last week, we featured a highlights episode. While we were gone, man, so many things happening in sports and so many possible topics to choose from. I, To be honest, though, really every week. There are multiple stories that are easily discussed from a faith-based point of view. We really could, I think, Zach, do a daily show that is if either one of us had the time to devote to it. Obviously, the Mason Rudolph-Miles Garrett situation was really especially troubling. And, of course, the circus surrounding Colin Kaepernick, and I'm not sure if that's still or if it's again. It's been a while since his name has come up on our program. As far as the Miles Garrett thing, First off, I'm not sure that I know what Rudolph was even thinking. And secondly, it's pretty clear that Garrett wasn't. Rudolph sure, sure looked to me like he antagonized that situation. He seemed to be the aggressor, but swinging his helmet at him with the kind of force that can be generated by a guy as strong as Garrett, you could have killed the guy. Seriously, a blow like from an object like that, Wow, you could, that really could have had some tragic consequences. Now, I've seen Brown fans on social media suggesting that Garrett doesn't deserve to be suspended at all, which, well, that's just moronic. You have issues. You seriously have issues. If you're so concerned and focused on the success of your favorite football team that you can't even look at this thing objectively, really, you have issues. And there are many of them out there. You go through social media. I'm not suggesting they're, major- they're the majority. I doubt it, but they are an embarrassment to that majority of clear-thinking sports fans. Yeah, and I mean, the news even came out, I think, uh, on Thursday this week that Mason or uh, Miles Garrett has said in his meeting with the NFL that Mason Rudolph called him a racial slur just before that, and that's why he was so fired up. And even if that's true, that's still no excuse to clobber the guy in the head with a six-pound helmet. It's just not. It's stunning to me, though, that that Rudolph hasn't been suspended at all. I know there's a potential fine out there. We haven't heard any amount or it hasn't even come down yet. I know that's out there. But to not even miss a game, man, I I don't think that's right. This guy needs to be. He he antagonized that situation. He he deserves to be gone for at least a game. In my opinion, the fine, and of course I say this without knowing what, what size fine we're talking about, but I don't think it's going to be enough of a detriment to avoid this type of thing happening again. Rudolph admitted this past week in a statement that he lost control of himself. He said, as for my involvement last week, there's no acceptable excuse. The bottom line, I should have done a better job keeping my composure in that situation and not fall short of what I believe it means to be a Pittsburgh Steeler and a member of the NFL. Yeah, absolutely. But both guys deserve to be punished. Now, I believe Garrett deserves to be punished more, man. You can't swing your helmet like a weapon or swing the other guy's helmet like a weapon as it turns out but both guys lost control romans chapter 12 verse 21 says be not overcome of evil but overcome evil with good and then this whole colin kaepernick thing was also a bit of a circus 
canceling his part in a workout put together by the NFL, all the teams would have been represented. I've heard people suggest that the NFL was unfairly asking him to sign a waiver. But remember, the league already settled a lawsuit with him. Undisclosed amount of money was spent to do that. If no team signed him coming out of that workout, who's to say he doesn't sue him again? I I can certainly understand them wanting to take some precautions. At 32 years old, Kaepernick at his individual workout, he was reported to have showed plenty of arm strength. He's said to have done pretty well with his accuracy. They said he completed all but seven of 60 or so scripted throws. His agent, Jeff Nally, said, I talked to the NFL people out here today. They said his arm talent is elite, that it's the same as when he came out of college. Look, there's no defenders. There's no pass rush. There's no challenge on each throw. There are plenty of guys who could walk onto a football field, throw it deep down the field, and hit uncovered receivers who are running pre-scripted routes. They say he has an elite arm. Well, I think that's probably an overstatement, if indeed they said that. That's not the same thing as being an elite quarterback, which is what he would need to be for a team to bring him in and the kind of circus that comes along with him. Yeah, and to me, it's it's a case of romanticizing the past, right? Colin Kaepernick, he burst onto the scene as this kid. He went to the Super Bowl, and people thought, this kid is changing the game, and then he plateaued, and he did not continue to develop. We've seen across all sports, prospect development is not linear. It takes time. There are bumps. There are plateaus. But he plateaued, and by the time that he was out of the league, he had been benched for Blaine Gabbert. We've seen Blaine Gabbert's not very good, but the 49ers felt that he gave them a better chance to win than Kaepernick did. We remember Kaepernick coming to Buffalo to play the Bills with San Francisco, and the Bills said after the game, after Kaepernick was abysmal against them, yeah, we knew that if we kept him in the pocket and made him be a passer, we would beat him, and they did. And he's been out of the league for, what is it, three, four years now? People remember back and they want to say, oh, he's better than this guy and this guy and this guy, and he deserves a job. Well, last time we saw him, he was a backup. It's like the Tyrod Taylor phenomenon here in Buffalo. People, anytime Josh Allen has a bad game, Tyrod could have done that. I can't believe we ran Tyrod out of town. What's Tyrod Taylor doing right now? (laughs) I'm pretty sure he's the backup to Phillip Rivers, who is not very good at this stage in his career. People like to romanticize quarterbacks who had a moment and haven't done it since. And I think Colin Kaepernick falls into that category. The thing that bothers me most, I think, about both situations that if you listen or read to sports media coverage, you read the commentary section of social media, you see that support for Garrett, for Rudolph, for Kaepernick is all very predictable based on race or race or favorite team. Browns fans, or at least a number of them that share their opinion on Twitter, they seem unreasonably convinced that Garrett is being unfairly targeted. Just as the number of Steeler fans who think that Rudolph has zero culpability in what took place last Thursday night. Just as a number of black voices who believe Kaepernick is being blackballed by the league, and while it's highly likely that he is, they refuse to acknowledge that he's a flawed quarterback, that he comes with many distractions, and many of those distractions and troubles he brings on himself. The Kunta Kinte shirt is just an example of it. He is being blackballed by the league, but he's also flawed. And he's also asking for trouble. 
Agreeing with one of those statements does not mean that the other is not true. It's what drives me crazy about politics and what will keep our great country from moving forward, in my opinion. Setting aside the common good simply to align with one political affiliation or another is flat out unproductive. We need to be able to evaluate both sides of any debate and base our opinion on facts and convictions without being persuaded by social media or friends who tell us what to do. How do we know how to think well? Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Psalms 109, verse 105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path. You know, we can take any topic, any situation, and before we speak our opinion, we can stop and pray about it. And we can ask God for wisdom. We can reflect on it for a few moments through the lens of Scripture. What's God's view of this matter? In Colossians chapter 3, the Bible tells us that once we're saved from our sins by placing our faith in Jesus Christ, that we should seek those things which are above. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2 say, Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. And verse 2 says, set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are here on earth. You know, when we do that, our thoughts and views change. They become more aligned with what the Bible tells us is God's way. When Jesus comes into our lives, he changes us. We don't keep living as we once did. We don't keep thinking as we once did. Things which no longer fit our new identity in Christ, are put away. And that includes the old ways of thinking. Colossians chapter 3, verse 8 says, But now you also put them all aside, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. And verses 12 through 14 says, So, as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Verse 14, beyond all those things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Man, if we do that, it is going to be difficult just to side with an opinion because it's based on a political affiliation or based on a skin color or based on a favorite team. We're thinking in God's terms. Our views and our opinions are shaped by this new way of thinking found in our identity in Jesus Christ. We're not swayed by public opinion, political affiliation, race, or anything except the Word of God. Finally, verses 15 and 16 of Colossians chapter 3 says, Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, And be thankful. Let the word of God richly dwell within you, with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Let the word of Christ dwell in you. Our minds should be so filled with Scripture that verses quickly come to mind in every situation. They overflow in our hearts, guiding our ways, lighting our path. Perhaps you're still stuck in your old way of thinking having never been renewed in Christ? 
If you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, there is no better time than right now. Because our sins blemish us, God's standard of holiness is unobtainable by ourselves. Heaven is for those whose sins are forgiven, while hell is for those who reject Christ and face the punishment of sins on their own. Jesus Christ makes it possible to anyone who calls on his name to be forgiven and to meet God's standards, based not on ourselves, but on Christ's holiness. Romans chapter 10, verse 13 says, For whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Jesus Christ shed his blood on the cross. He gave up his life to pay the penalty of your sins and mine. When our sins are forgiven and God looks at us, he no longer sees our sins, but what he sees instead is the holiness of Christ transferred onto us. Jesus' death and his resurrection make it possible to go to heaven if we accept the free gift which he offers. John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 say, For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Verse 17 makes it clear, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. That gift of eternal life is just that. It's a free gift. You can't earn it. Salvation is only gained by asking God to forgive you and accepting by believing that Jesus Christ is Lord. If you want to be forgiven of your sins, spending eternity in heaven, admit your sin to God and ask him to forgive you. The Bible promises that by confessing our sins, he will forgive us. 1 John 1, 9 says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. I hope that you would pray to God and admit to him that you are a sinner, that you are guilty, and ask him for forgiveness. Tell him you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross, that he was buried and rose again, and ask him to help you repenting, turning away from sin. And if there's some way we can help, if there's something we can pray about for you, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. You can do that through our website, btgprogram.com. We'll be back in just a bit. Along with Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. This is the Beyond the Game program. Time now to look back on the week in Roberts Wesleyan College Athletics. This is the Red Hawks recap for the week covering up through Thursday, November 21st. The Red Hawks recap is brought to you by Roberts Wesleyan College. The women's basketball team defeated Concordia College last Friday night, 64-48, behind 25 points from Emily Miller, who also added 13 rebounds and four blocked shots. They followed that up again on Saturday with a home win over Bloomfield College, 85-48. Miller was once again the team's leading scorer with 16 points. They hit the road on Tuesday night, falling to Lemoyne College 64-43, Miller being the only Red Hawk to crack double digits, scoring 13 points. The men's basketball team was unable to hold on to a first-half lead as American International topped the Red Hawks 83-75 Sunday afternoon in the Baller Athletic Center. Armand Nasiri led the Red Hawks with 18 points and 8 rebounds. Monday night saw the Red Hawks men dropping to 1-4 on the season with an 89-56 road loss against Mercyhurst University. 
On Wednesday, the Roberts Wesleyan College men's soccer team hosted an NCCAA Midwest regional match against Lancaster Bible College, coming out on top 2-1. to one. Goals were scored by Dylan Ruiz and Juan Espina Betancourt. The ECC this week named Ruiz the Offensive Player of the Year, as well as naming goalkeeper Jared Gibbons as Rookie of the Year. Only one home game in the week ahead for Roberts Athletics teams, as it is the Thanksgiving holiday break. The men's basketball team will be home Tuesday night hosting Walsh University at 7 p.m. And though it's not at home, I do want to mention that both the men's and women's cross-country teams will be in Sacramento, California this weekend, competing in the NCAA D2 National Championship. You can stay up to date with all the Roberts Wesleyan College Athletics at their website, robertsredhawks.com. There you'll also find news, scores, highlights, and more. And, of course, you can follow Roberts Wesleyan Athletics on Twitter, at RWC Redhawks. This has been the Redhawks Recap presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. Do you know a high school athlete looking for a D2 college? Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts Wesleyan College. We're proud to be a serious athletic school with great opportunities for serious athletes. In fact, we have the only Division II athletic program in the area. Our many varsity programs range from basketball, tennis, and cross country to track and field, golf, volleyball, and soccer. Tell the young athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. Hey, it's Zach. If you're a fan of Unsolved Mysteries, Mythical Monsters, Murder Whodunits, or just podcasts in general, check out my other show, the Myths and Mysteries Podcast. Every two weeks, my brother Spencer and I tell fascinating stories about topics like the Bermuda Triangle, JFK's assassination, chupacabras, serial killers, and more. You can find us by searching for Myths and Mysteries on iTunes or Google Play or on our website, mythsandmysteriespod.com. Don't forget to click subscribe and leave us a review to let us know what you think. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Myths Podcast. So go check out the Myths and Mysteries podcast, and we'll see you next time. Welcome back into the Beyond the Game program, btgprogram.com or at btgprogram at Sports Talk from a faith-based point of view. The program is recorded in the BTG studio in Rochester, New York, and it's heard all around the world via podcast. Among the many places downloading last week's show was Holly Hill, South Carolina. Holly Hill being the birthplace of New York Yankees free agent outfielder Brett Gardner. Hopefully he'll be back. It's also the birthplace of another Yankees great, my favorite Yankees player growing up, Willie Randolph. Jimmy Coker, a major league catcher back in the 60s, also born in Holly Hill, South Carolina. Not too shabby for a town of only about 1,300 people. To those of you in Holly Hill, South Carolina, and wherever it is that you're listening from, we thank you for being with us. Here's Zach Barletta to give us this week's shenanigan statements. All right, number one. Those found to be responsible for the Houston Astros cheating scandal deserve to be banned from baseball. Uh, shenanigans. Uh, when you say banned from baseball, I, I'm assuming you mean lifetime ban. Mm. Um, I, I don't. I agree that there needs to be a harsh punishment, but completely banned forever. I, I don't even think Pete Rose deserves that. I mean, to tell no. someone they can never work in baseball again seems se- severe. Yet the punishment, it does need to be significant enough to serve as incentive to never have this happen again. To say that the World Series is tainted, to me, it's not an overstatement. I, I understand and agree with punishment, but John 3.17 says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. I'd rather see somebody appropriately punished so that they repent 
and are saved, if you will, than just completely condemned. Yeah, I'm with you. I say shenanigans as well. Uh, there's a lot of Twitter that does not agree with us. Yeah, I know. But uh, I, I think it would be appropriate to ban the involved parties for a full year to fine them, to remove draft picks, significant picks from the team. I think all of that would be very appropriate because, like you said, not only was there pretty obvious cheating, but it was in a year that they won the World Series. So absolutely that should be tainted. But to to kick these guys out of baseball for life, I don't think that's – I think that's overkill. Now, one of the things that I haven't heard how they're going to approach us, but they put a rule about it in place just this year. Yeah. So if their activity continued throughout this last baseball season, then that punishment needs to be even harsher because obviously they're – and I don't know if they did or didn't continue it through this last year of 2019. Mm-hmm. But if they did after that, that would just be slapping baseball in the face. Oh, absolutely. Number two, speaking of suspensions, Cleveland Browns pass rusher Miles Garrett was suspended indefinitely by the league for violently striking Steelers quarterback Mason Rudolph in the head with his Mm -hmm. own helmet during last Thursday night's game. I'm sure you've all seen that clip by now. The indefinite suspension means that he's out for the rest of this season and the playoffs should Cleveland somehow get there. Truth or shenanigans, Garrett's punishment should have been more severe. What do you think? I say shenanigans. Um, And look, I think a lot of people would have been more okay with just this year in the playoffs if the Browns had any sort of real shot at making the playoffs. I mean, they've got a real uphill climb, especially without Miles Garrett. So you're basically looking at seven more weeks, so six games. Uh, Is six games appropriate? I don't know, but we've also never seen anybody do what he did. So it's hard to find um, a precedent for it. But I think six games, look, six games is going to cost him a lot of money. It's costing his team probably any remaining chance they had at the playoffs. It's costing him uh, a lasting black mark on his legacy. Uh, I think six games is fine. I'm okay with it. Yeah, I agree with you. I say shenanigans that the punishment should have been more severe. It should not have. I'm comfortable right where it is. Let's remember, this punishment is not insignificant. Those games represent a good deal of lost pay. The only thing I, I, I don't think, he has to apply for reinstatement. To me, that's goofy. Yeah. You know, come on, serve your time. We'll see you when you get back. Uh, the league has a struggle in the fact that they're all over the place with punishment. Yeah. So finding a true precedent is difficult. Now, we have mm-hmm. seen it before, though. We have seen it. was I think it was a Texans-Dolphins game where a player was swinging his helmet at another player. Missed. But we have seen it before, and I believe in that instance it was a two-game suspension. But I, I think it's appropriate. I think it's fine. I don't think it, it, it's not too severe. It's not not severe enough. It's right. Yeah, and like you said, it's the biggest issue here is the league is so inconsistent with its suspensions. Yeah. You know, guys, multiple guys have been suspended longer for smoking marijuana than for Miles Garrett clubbing someone in the head with a helmet. And to be honest, I think it was such a severe punishment simply because of how bad it looked on TV. I think if he'd done the exact same thing, but he missed him or he hit him in the shoulder pad, he probably gets a couple of games. But I think the optics of it were so bad that they came down heavy. Agreed. Number three, truth or shenanigans. Alabama quarterback Tua Tagovailoa's severe hip injury will cause him to fall out of the first round of the NFL draft. 
Oh, this is a tough one, but I say shenanigans. Uh, who really knows? If a team is desperate enough to take a chance on a guy who may or may not fully recover, the reality is that if you need a quarterback, are there any sure things in this particular draft? No. So why not take him? The comparison to Bo Jackson's injury is concerning, but man, how many years ago was that? Mm-hmm. Medical science has had to have advanced, correct? Correct. Hey, look how far they've come with Tommy John surgery. Mm-hmm. used to be that was a potential career ender, and now they come back many times better than ever. I know his doctors seem to be distancing themselves from the Bo Jackson thing, rightfully mm-hmm. so. They don't. That, that'll definitely hurt draft stock. Right. But it is still a significant injury. Look, I'd take him. He's a high-character guy. I love the posts about him praising God despite the trial he's going through. I, I admire his faith. Um, I don't think he drops out of the first round. Who else is better? Yeah, I don't think he falls out of the first round. And in fact, I don't even know that he falls out of maybe the top 10. In comparison to the Bo Jackson injury, I had heard that as well. Of course, all of Twitter heard Bo Jackson's name invoked, and it just blew up that, oh, no, he's had the Bo Jackson injury. I did a little reading on it, and the Bo Jackson injury was actually very different. He had, uh, I believe, arterial damage in his hip injury and didn't realize it and played with it and went on with it for a long time caused it to degenerate this is different he doesn't have that damage he's had it addressed already so the prognosis is that he makes pretty much a full recovery we know the dolphins love him they're you know the tanking for Tua thing is not a secret and with the doctor saying he's expected to recover fully why would you change your opinion of him after that so i think i think he's definitely still a first round pick well, Zach, we're running short on time, so let's get right into our You Like That, Something Encouraging from the World of Sports. Matthew chapter 18, verse 5 says, And whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. The Rochester Institute of Technology held a ceremonial signing this week where nine-year-old Lily Breon Milliman signed her letter of intent with the Tigers women's basketball team. Lily said, It means so much. I'm excited. I'm glad to be a member of the team. Brian Milliman has been diagnosed with cerebral palsy, but despite that, she loves sports. She participates in such things as Challengers baseball, Challengers soccer. She was connected with RIT through a nonprofit called Team Impact, which partners children facing serious illnesses with college athletics teams. She's been attending practices since the beginning of the season. She cheers the team on at games and even participates in some team activities. Nine-year-old Lily Breon Milliman's ceremonial signing with the RIT women's basketball team is what I like this week. What I liked this week was a story about Josh Riger, defenseman for the University of North Dakota hockey team. Riger is an alternate on the team and wasn't supposed to be dressing for their game on Saturday night. So as such, when the team was getting ready to start warm-ups, Riger and another teammate were at a restaurant. Riger had just eaten a pound of chicken wings when he got the call that one of the starters was sick and couldn't play. Full of chicken wings, Riger rushes to the rink, catches the tail end of warm-ups, and ends up scoring his first career goal, which then turns out to be the game winner. So when he was asked if he would be eating a pound of wings before every game from now on, Riger said he kind of has to. <laughs> so Josh Riger combining chicken wings and hockey is what I liked like this week. Well, thanks so much for being with us this week here on the Beyond the Game program. Please don't forget, this radio ministry is only on the air thanks to the generous support of our listeners. It's because of your prayers and it's because of your financial gifts that the Beyond the Game radio program is possible. Please pray about becoming a supporter of this radio ministry. And if you feel led to give a gift of any amount at all, please visit our website, btgprogram.com. And like so many others, as we close out the year in the next few weeks, 
What can I say other than we need your support? For Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. Lord willing, we'll be back together again next week right here at the same time. Be bold and be great this week, everybody.